And we're back here, Stripe Show Podcast, coming to you this time over on the West Coast. My guest, he's on the West Coast. He's in Long Beach. I'm actually in the state of Idaho right now looking outside. It's 55 degrees and raining, and that's uh, a lot different than where I live in Florida, where it was 100 (laughs) yesterday and humid. So I've actually got a jacket on for the first time in quite some time. And I got to tell you, it feels very good and uh, wasn't going to miss this week's uh, Stripe Show podcast. Um, one of my favorite guests, Dana Dahlquist, one of the top teachers out there uh, on the PGA Tour. And um, he's in sunny California. Let me guess, Dana, it's 77. Oh, no. Well, in Long Beach right now, we're 71 because we have a little bit of an overcast, oh. but Okay. I'm struggling. I'm in a white t-shirt and some khakis and some sandals. <laughs> so okay. <it's> terrible. <laughs> 71. And to make, Love that place. And to, make, to make matters worse, I'm actually driving to Newport Beach, <laughs> which is like okay. the worst. Okay. <laughs> the worst place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite places there. I've been a few times and um, man, it's, it's gorgeous and stay out of Florida right now. All kinds of crazy stuff. And we just got hot. Yeah. hundred degrees there which is very hot to get there in the temperature and you put the humidity into it. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about some golf, some golf instruction. And, um, you know, one of your, uh, one of your guys, uh, Victor Hovland, who um, is playing some great golf right now. Of course, he was the uh, 2018 U.S. amateur champion and um, a star there at Oklahoma State. And now uh, I think becoming uh, a young star uh, on the PGA Tour. And it's been fun to... Um, to follow his career. And when you and I were at this training together in December, you kind of hinted to me, you said, Hey, I've got another um, player that I'm going to start working with, but I can't tell you who it is. And, and uh, well, I guess it was Victor Hovland and uh, things are rolling nicely. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and it's, it's a different, um, you know, and I work, as you know, I work kind of differently. Like I'm not one of these guys who has like per se a camp. Right. right. So I, I don't, you know, it's, I'm kind of the swing guy and, you know, it's a sounding board. Every relationship of each player is obviously very different. And, you know, sometimes the perception is that, you know, you have a player, they're in a particular camp and that's their deal. And they're working on this. It's like, now really with Victor, it's more kind of sounding board because what he's doing, I don't want him to change. And I think, as a team atmosphere between his caddy myself and and his management and everything, it's like, okay, well, Victor's already good at doing something very well. Let's not change that. Let's just make sure that he does what he's supposed to do. And then what are other things that keep kind of a competitive edge? So it's some of that's mindset. Some of that's how you're thinking. Sometimes that's okay. In the short game area where, you know, he's voiced his, you know, uh, thoughts on it, where he wants to go with it. Um, it's more or less those type of conversations more than like, okay, well with a swing, what do we need to do now? We do talk about specific shots and stuff like that, but it's never really so much, you know, we're going to make some mechanical things that, you know, need improvements. Some players kind of fall into that category. So that's what makes them a little bit different. So it's, it's, um, um, you know, it's, um, you know, it's almost a a little bit kind of a mini Dustin Johnson kind of swing, really, you know, it's got a lot of similar components with the the upright you know more upright lead arm the 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 flexion mm-hmm. uh in the lead wrist um you know yep. and then what that offers to what the club face is going to look like and being 
you know, a little on the close side. And then what you have to do to kind of stabilize those things through impact. Now, you know, Dustin creates a little bit more speed than Victor, but Victor is, is no slouch in speed, hits it 300 yards, plenty far out there off the tee. Um, but, you know, in many ways, you look at the components and you put these swings side by side. There's a lot of comparisons there. Yeah, and it's, it's funny you say that because that's been one of the deals where, you know, players are looking for edges. And if you're, you know, number one in driving pretty much, you know, or top five last week, whatever the number was, um, consistently, you know, you, on the PJ Tour, I know that Bryce right now is just clobbering the golf ball. But there's also, and I have friends that are long drive guys that, you know, have even voiced their opinion on it's like you really don't need to hit it that far on the pga tour you need to be in a you know kind of in a specific zone now if we're if we're talking for the amateur golfer they're probably gonna be better off hitting it further there's no doubt but at this level it's pretty it's a good combo to hit it really straight and really far and victor's typically you know either first or fifth somewhere in that realm with you know driving so it's a far enough yeah, I mean his. Sure. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a terrific driver of the ball. I mean, he's stroke strokes off the tee. He's eleventh um, strokes approach. He's twelfth. I mean, you know those that kind of ball striking is going to travel um, all over yeah. all over yeah. the country and world and 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 put him in position. When you know, Dana, when you look at a, a swing like that with Victor, and he comes to you, and you're his sounding board. You know, every player kind of has that one or two things that they might fall into that they kind of want to make sure that they're not doing things that maybe you guys have identified that we kind of need to stay away from that because when that happens, you know, we, we tend to, you know, go this way with the ball flight. Is there, is there like a small checklist that you've learned that you kind of look at and say, okay, yeah, those things are looking pretty good. You know, I think you're, uh, I think off you go. Yeah. I would say a lot of it's very, um, you know, kind of the trigger area of the swing. So okay. that's at least my, like the startup, like how a player starts up. I can kind of tell um, not only is it mechanically working, but is it something that's potentially also um, a motivator or a demotivator? So if, if the player's, you know, apprehensive on what they're doing, it shows up in how they address the ball and how they move off the ball. So I think if somebody's kind of, you know, falling underneath the context of, you know, free flowing and, and, has a good picture, has a good mindset, it shows up, you know, the first foot in the golf swing. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I look for. Um, if there's some clarity that that's occurring, if the process is consistent, mm-hmm. then that's something that that's definitely noticeable. I think that's be I think that's being discussed more now, right? This startup, yeah. the way that, and I think it's great discussion. You know, I think um, what Bryson has done, um, you know, I talked to Chris, in, in great length on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about that very thing and the way that he's starting up and making his, mm-hmm. you know, getting his muscles more alive and getting more momentum going. And, you know, I, I think that's a really good conversation to be had. And I think you see it with these players and you bring it up with Victor. And it's another one now that I'm, as I'm thinking about his swing, um, there's some real cues there that kind of put it in motion. And you're saying, look, when these are on, things tend to fall into place from there. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So um, the, the examples that kind of come to mind would be, you know, you look at like Alex Norin or Rory McIlroy, they have more pronounced kind of trigger off the ball, like movement or in more of the, the later years would be like VJ and Jack. You'd see that. And, 
So what they're really doing is, is they're priming themselves for movement. So if you were a high jumper, just for an example, trying to illustrate something here, um, a high jumper wouldn't run up to the line and stop, yeah. right? They, they have to kind of bounce around, move, 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 then they kind of glide and run, create their pacing for them to make an elastic movement. So the same thing's true that the club, and, and this goes against a little bit of the old saying of like, take it back low and slow. It's like, no, 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 you're, you're taking it back like you're an athlete. Right. You know, you want to, you want to project and throw the club back and let your sequence do what it should do. And, and if you have a good sequence, then your, your movement and your pattern taking it back and your movement and your trigger should influence and create that. Now, it, what's funny about this, Travis, and I had a, a player and he's probably going to text me now, but and I'm not going to mention names, but um, it was a tour player and he was probably working on, he didn't say this directly, but he was saying, you know, how do you, do you set the wrists on your backswing? Like, do you actually do that? And I go, well, I don't ever say that. Like if you have a wrist angle, that's not correct. You might feel that there's an angle being produced, but you don't really set the club. Your trigger off the ball and the sequence of your rotation should create that. Like, so if a player is going severely inside, it's not the, the solution. And I said this to him, isn't to hinge the wrist more to make the club stay outside faster. Now I'm obviously talking to an elite player. I'm not talking to a beginner, right? I think that's kind of the, the narrative isn't necessarily a mechanical fix. It might be at least in his condition, it might be a movement to create that position. Yeah. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show. So that's kind of the point. Is he, I know with like Dustin, back to him as an example, that once in a while Dustin will get the lead arm too upright and then the lead wrist will get too flexed. Is that ever a con- uh, is that ever a concern with Victor? Does he usually keep you know adequate lead arm depth and you know the structure is is always in pretty good place there? Yeah, I think the times you might see that head that direction would be if he's playing in the wind and he's trying to hit a low fade okay. too often mm. for two. It, he can kind of you know, and this is kind of the old school thought is where like if I was hitting a bunch of shots, but then I predominantly hit one shot all the time that variation will start becoming more upright with more of a closed face. So that would be kind of the fault. But I think like if you, if you balance your practice out better, where you hit a lot more drivers and then hit more wedges, you kind of find a happy medium. And I think, I think maybe even your listeners would go, okay, well, yeah, I hit a lot of seven irons. I don't hit a lot of drivers. You know, that might be something to think about if you're too steep into a golf ball and you're hitting cuts. You know, so, um, but yeah, that's the only instance I can really think of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like the three quarter type of shot, right. When a player's trying to keep it down and, 
I think even a tour player mm-hmm. gets guilty of this. They the turn gets short and the lead arm gets kind of away. You know, you yeah. don't get the depth even because you're trying to keep it three quarters and you know, that's where you get a little lifty and then you can kind of get on top of it uh-huh. and to your point and kind of, you know, tug it off to the left. So, um, absolutely. So looking at his stats right now, is he working? Is, is, am I correct that he's working with Pete Cowan on the short game or is that something um, that you are working on as well? No, no, no. So uh, I will support whoever he goes with. So he's, he's kind of bounced ideas off numerous guys so pete's pete's one of them and um i know he's practiced with another another tour player okay and um who's on the champions tour and he's pretty good he's he lives in oklahoma so that would kind of paint maybe a close picture to (laughs) who that might be i think i might know (laughs) um yeah so and look i i don't I like guys talking to other guys. I don't even mind if they talk to other teachers to be fair because information is information. So um, it's just, yeah, yeah. I, I think if it's simple, it resonates and it creates a positive outcome. That's the goal. Yeah. So, you know, cause yeah. he's been very, you know, I mean, Victor has been forthcoming, right? Like that he realizes, I mean, statistically you, I mean, you don't have to look far to say, well, you know, if Victor cleans, this up stroke scan around the green, you know, two seventeen. that he's going to be very dangerous. Um, you know, considering, yeah. considering how good he is off the tee and approach. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he's 11th off the tee and 12th in approach. I mean, you're going to be in a lot of golf tournaments, you know, when you're hitting, you're hitting the golf ball like that, because you're going to have some good putting weeks. I mean, strokes and putting is 121st, yeah. but, you know, you're going to have, you know, your ball striking, there's going to be days where you need that short game and you want to be obviously very well-rounded to win major championships and those kinds of things. So, um, right. He's been forthcoming and saying, look, I need to get better in this particular part of the game. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I, I'm looking forward to the time when he says, well, he paints a good picture for me about, and I'll just reinforce it. If the picture becomes good to him about his short game and he, and he makes it a good reinforcement statement or story about it, then I know we're off to the races on that. So, and I think what I watch with a lot of guys that struggle and it doesn't matter what they're doing. It could be, you know, uh, putting the clubs in their car, but um, if they paint a really good story about that and it's not a positive one, it becomes a, a part of that. So I think he's done a really good job with trying to figure out that aspect without doing that. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to the time when, you know, he can write a positive book on it and, you know, we're good to go. I mean, it's amazing. So, it's amazing. Like you look around, you know, you look at his last, you know, five or six months, of course he won the Puerto Rico open. Um, I think it was the 17th mm-hmm. career start is, you know, it all, all it took him to get his first win since coming back from the break. He's T23 Schwab, T21 RBC, T11 last week. Um, he played this golf yeah. course very well last year. He was T13 at the Detroit Golf Club. So, I mean, I, I see a lot of people picking him to win this week as the favorite. Um, you know, he's overco- yeah. he's been able to overcome, um, you know, the deficiency around the green. And, you know, obviously continue to compete, which his ball striking is doing that for him. Um, So as he goes into this week, is it when you look at the short game technique, how much 
of the opportunity is around the risk condition itself. I mean, is it, is it that he has that lead wrist inflection and the shaft wants to be too far forward and he backs up a little, tends to back up a little bit? And is it kind of creating a plan where you're not rocking the boat too much in the full swing, but kind of softening the wrist conditions and the shaft angle into short game? Or is that off, is that off track? Uh, well, so that's been brought up before. And look, I mean, if that could be the case for sure, um, he's, I think, done more on just kind of the changing the address position with the face. Okay. Instead of, um, and this is like, there's another guy he, he spoke with, which was Josh Gregory. Yes. And who works with Patrick Reed. So, yep. and Josh mentioned um, that they didn't really change the wrist flexion. They just changed the face angle. Yep. So there's, there's, there's some, you know, and like, like I said, I don't really get into it. I just want to, I just want, I'm just waiting for the story to come oh. out. But um, yeah, I would say that conventionally with a square face going into wrist flexion and then trying to hit an off speed shots not the best idea but w last time i saw him which was in fort worth he he was doing more open face and then what was interesting is he had more speed at the bottom and he hit it a lot a lot tighter shot and with better spin so it, it that's just what i noticed i didn't like i said i don't want to jump yeah. into that short yeah. game aspect with him but that's just from an outward appearance that's what i noticed and i think just um, as a general discussion for the view for the listener like let's take the player out of it for a second, you know, like, yeah. Um, and, and Dustin is such a good example. I know Dustin Johnson, he's gotten a lot better around the greens where he just opens the face up and, you know, yeah, kind of exactly. lead just kind of leaves the lead wrist condition um, yeah. alone. And he, he hits a yeah. lot more shots with the toe more up halfway back versus the toe down. I mean, there was a time where Dustin would hit all those little short game shots with that face looking down but but not but yeah. not anymore and you can see how much more confident he he is um doing that and oh, it sure. sounds like with victor he's taken on that but talk about the lead wrist condition because i can guarantee you one thing for sure as, as the sounding board in the full swing if that lead wrist comes back extended at the top you're going to have a problem in the full swing um <laughs> yeah 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 for especially for his pattern so like you know most golfers at the highest level if measured, and I'm just going off Sinclair's measurement because he's got a huge database of it, is that, you know, most of them go from a pretty neutral to extended lead wrist, slight amount at the top, but then head into flexion. So if we're, if we're looking at Victor, um, and when I say flexion, I mean bowed. So, you know, Victor's playing from a, from a, you know, flex lead wrist. And if that face does go into extension or lead wrist, then we're adding a variable to a swing that doesn't need to be right. there. So that would be, that would be a problem. Plus it'll, it'll affect how he, you know, transitions too, because it'll, it'll be a different feel. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's not going to be happening. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, it's, but it is a real conversation, you know, and that's great insight for our, for sure. Uh, you yeah, know, it's, for sure. it's um, the great insight for the listeners is that, you yeah. know, a high, you know, one of the best players in the world, Victor Hovland, Dustin Johnson, um, they are, th their pattern is so pure. And you could argue that the centerpiece of that swing in, is that lead wrist condition. And like, if, right. if you start messing with that lead wrist in the swing, you got a problem. I mean, like, you you know, now all of a sudden everything changes. Um, 
Yeah. So now you have to learn to take that, you know, flexion and that lead risk, which has, you know, some challenges in the full swing because you can get too much dig. You can get the shaft forward. Good players mm-hmm. can back up a little bit when they do that. So certain yeah. shots can be difficult for them. So they have to figure out how do we build a short game, you know, around the lead wrist or are they comfortable maybe, you know, changing up the lead wrist for certain shots. Um, so yeah. it's just, it's fascinating to see. I've got a little bit of experience in that when I worked with Fred Funk years ago um, mm-hmm. and, you know, Fred, his lead wrist was flex at the top and one of the best drivers of the golf ball. I mean, the guy just hit, hit it it's stupid straight and, yeah, and we worked a lot on his short game and had conversations around the lead wrist. And he's not he's not as you know flexed as Victor or Dustin, but yeah. but it was there. It was apparent, and he would hit a lot of the shots around the green with a lot of dig, a lot of leading edge. Yeah, and um, we had a lot yeah. of conversations around that and what we were going to do and and why we were doing it. And so it, it's a conversation that good players like Victor have. Um, around that lead risk condition and how they're they're going to build a short game so they can hit all the shots. Right, right, absolutely. And I think so. Now, was he doing that at Sawgrass? What's that? Because if, if was he was he having problems at Sawgrass practicing? Is that where he was practicing his chipping? Because uh, I could see that real easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I started with Fred, I worked with Fred probably when he was uh, when he came back from his thumb and knee surgery. So pretty much from like when he was 52 to 57. So, you know, we had a nice run there on the champions tour and, and he would hit a lot of, lot, a lot of shots, you know, with the leading edge. Now don't get me wrong. He would hit them good, but there were certain shots that, as you know, that you want to try to develop and give them a little different type of shot off of those, off of those, that type of grass, especially that they get at sawgrass, which can be very, very sticky. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch to see if, um, you know, to see if he can keep things, keep things moving here. There's no reason to think that he can't, the, the young talent, um, we were talking off air before we came on. I'd love for you to share the story again about just yeah. your perception of these young guys. You know, we talk about Victor, we talked about Colin Morikawa, we talk about Matthew Wolf. Um, yeah. you know, they're just such, they're such approachable guys. They smile, they they really look like they enjoy what they're doing, and they're easy to root for. I got to tell you, just as a fan, like I yeah. just like Victor Hovland. And um, you were kind of telling me a story, and like, why you think that is with these young guys? Yeah, so you know, it's interesting because I, I as I've gotten older and I've gotten more gray hairs, um, it's kind of <laughs> like, what do you know? You get look more introspective of 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 people, and. So like my generation, you know, we didn't have social media. We, if we were golfers or athletes, you were kind of more or less, maybe a loner, a little like to practice by yourself. You're, you, you didn't try to be um, friends with everybody. And so it came across as being, you know, kind of how Michael Jordan was in a way, or perception was, is like, you appreciate the athlete, but he really wasn't the nicest guy in the world, you know, one-on-one. So now, because of whether it's society or whatever, you're starting to see more influence of, you know, more of like mm-hmm. relatability, like becoming more appro- more approachable as a human being. And but they still have that killer instinct. Like you, you, there's still a 
a little bit of not self-centeredness, like, Hey, I'm here to get the job done, but you know, they're there to win. And I think we need to look at athletes like that. You, know, you have to kind of compartmentalize what you're looking at. You're looking at an athlete who's trying to win at everything at every stage of life, whether that be, and I try to tell this to mini tour players all the time. It's like, what's the last time, what's the last thing you want? They're like, well, I haven't won in, you know, five years. Like, okay, well, we need to, we need to stop that right now. We need to win something. I don't care if you, you go win a 5k, like we need to flip that switch so that you get used mm -hmm. to winning again, because the best players in the world, that's what they do. You know, they're competitive. So, um, and look, even parents, like, man, you know, parents are so protective of, of, of these things. And you, you have to say, look, this kid needs to win. And, and part of winning yeah. is losing. So we need to, we need to face that and, and then, you know, change direction if need be. So, but yeah, that's why these guys are so good. You know, they're approachable winners. What's the, so, let me ask you this on those lines. So take Victor, for example, and just kind of yeah. these young players, the PGA tour. I mean, it's a different animal right now with COVID, obviously there's a bubble. There's not many, there, there's no one out right. there, but yeah. just the PGA tour as we know it, right. Pre COVID and, and uh -huh. hopefully we'll be back there soon. One day here, probably next year. Um, yep. What is the yep. biggest challenge for a 22-year-old young star like Victor that he's got to be careful with, right? Because there's a lot of people walking around. There's a lot of information. There's a lot. Is there is there anything that you like? Yeah. You sit back and you kind of worry sometimes, man. We just got to be careful about this on tour as a young player. Yeah, I think it's um, well, it's it's a lot of things. So there's you know you have trainers, you have other teachers, you have physios, you have management. I mean, you have all these different things that are you have access to that you didn't have before. And yeah, they might have had access in college or whatever. But so there's always people telling them yes. And um, you know, I worry that he goes and buys a G5 before he needs one. Um, but that, in all seriousness, so. Uh, but but it, it, along those lines, it's kind of like um, you, you you don't need to change much what you're doing. And he's been pretty good. Like he hasn't moved. He didn't move to Jupiter or anything like that because that's where other guys have done. You just kind of do the same thing and do it real well until you turn around and you've created, you know, something to um, to be happy about. Like, I think that's the big thing. It's like guys think they need to change equipment. You don't need to do that. Um so I think that's now earlier in my career from um, from my standpoint, I would worry about players when they go to tournaments and I'm not there that, you know, there's other teachers, there's other equipment manufacturers and all this stuff. But, you know, now I don't really care. Like if if that happens, that happens. It doesn't really matter. But because um, that's a tough lesson for that individual to kind of mm -hmm. go through, because anytime you interject change, you have to then have a learning curve. So I think that's so that's a message I've said to every player. It's like, look, you have something that's working for you and you see a progression, you stay on that track and you don't change because if you do, you're going to have to change this whole thing around again and yeah. then restart it. We don't want, we don't need that. such a good point. I mean, it's, you know, I, it's almost like discipline is so important. And I would think mm -hmm. that, you know, as, these players and coaches out there like you they spend a lot of time alone too they yeah spend a lot of time practicing yeah. obviously there's people around in the practice round and tournaments and and there's the glamour side of it but they do spend a lot of time alone 
they are exposed to a lot. I would think mm-hmm. that it's just, you know, human nature in some regards that there's, there is that temptation there to like, Hey, what is that? You know? And then all of a sudden you're intrigued and, and, yeah. you know, and, and I would imagine that they get bored too. Like it just, it's just, yeah. you know, we're all humans here. So man, the discipline involved, just yeah. keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, it just seems like Victor, you know, he's a very mature, uh, 22 year old. I actually played with Victor in a pro-am right before he turned pro at the API. Um, yeah, I did. No I kidding. played with him, um, AJ Przinski, um, the baseball player. And we had, we had a great time. We actually finished uh-huh. third. Um, yeah, we all played nice. pretty decent and, um, I just, it was just great. I mean, he was, he couldn't have been better with the whole group and, um, yeah. So yeah, right before he turned pro, um, at the API and well, he turned pro and won shortly thereafter. And it just feels like, it feels like another yeah. one's coming day. Just- we have another full weekend of golf ahead of us. And even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, the big cash prizes don't have to be. To add to the excitement, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports is putting you in the center of the action with a free shot at over $1 million in total prizes with your first deposit. It's easy to play. Just pick six golfers, stay under the Sally Cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off on Thursday. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up the points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course, DraftKings is giving you the chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use code Travis during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at over $1 million in total prizes. That's code Travis, and you can get a free shot at over $1 million in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I see it happening. I see it happening. I just try not to get in the way. You know, I think that's the biggest <laughs> thing. I just try to let it. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. I mean, really, it, with with any of these guys, you just you just enforce what they work on and try yeah. not to get in the way. You know, it's just it's one aspect of the coaching aspect of of uh, of this game. You know, if things are good, just let them you be think, good. You think we're gonna see yeah, less so. coaches out there now? I'm just through this whole transition. I mean, like, you know there's a few out there now. I know they're starting to let him back out, but you look at like Justin Rose and fully split, you know, with him practicing down at the Bahamas and mm-hmm. just deciding that he wanted to take it in. Tiger's always had someone with him. He's on his own now. I mean, do you think like that, mm-hmm. that there, there's always going to be those relationships, but the, the amount of weeks that you guys can put in, you know, I know you guys are out there a lot, Yeah. you know, do you think that might kind of back up just a little bit through this whole thing when things kind of get back to normal too? I hope so. I think, um, I think it needs to, I think that the, um, I've been pretty boisterous about this for a long time. Um, you know, maybe to my detriment, but I've always said to people, look, you know, if you don't have it on Monday or Tuesday, then you didn't do the work ahead of time. So, and I think, look, the, the, the thing that's interesting about the tour is that there is a little bit of marketing and I'm just going to be completely honest here. There's a little bit of marketing with you being out there and you know, there's your player and all that kind of stuff. And look, I'm not the most marketable individual. I'm a, you know, a, 
a SoCal ginger guy with a farmer tan that <laughs> just doesn't like, I don't look cool out there and I nor do I really care to be. I'm there for, yeah. you know, a job. And, uh, and I'm pretty brutally honest too. So, which is also to my detriment. So if you have a question, I can actually answer it. I'm not eloquent in painting you a, a, a fancy way of saying it that makes you feel good. Um, although I'm striving to be better at that, but I think it's better that the coach isn't there. Like if you can do the stuff in the off week, you do a check-in maybe on FaceTime because we have the technology, you're off and running. You know, I think that's all that needs to be done. But yeah, I just really hope that there's less distractions for them. I think you're going to see better golf. And I think, look, I think Brandel has that point. He said it. He said, look, you know, you get too attached to, working on mechanics. That's the part I agree with them, uh, whether or not, I know, I know some teachers, they battle back and forth, but you kind of have to look through what the words were, where it was coming from and go, okay, yeah. I realize what he's saying. Um, instead of, it's not directed towards anybody, you know, it's directed to the situation at hand. So um, last thing with Victor here. So uh-huh. you look at him now coming into um Detroit and then mm-hmm. this is his fourth week so he'll probably take work day off and then play in Jack's tournament is that right okay. uh might be yeah might be it okay. looks to be the case yeah his case. his ball flight his the shot that he likes mm-hmm. to see is what yeah pretty much high straights with a driver maybe slight fade and then a little bit of a slight fade with a with an how so um, what percent yeah. does he hit that shot over four rounds of golf in a tournament is he is it that is it that shot 100 of the time 50 percent of the time just really? about okay. just about yeah yeah he doesn't like to turn it too much um one way or the other now if the if it calls for a draw he now he likes to hit a draw um kind of in practice just because he can see that he knows how to fade it so um but when it when a bell rings he hits it pretty yeah. straight with a driver and the ball and a seven iron is going to just die a little bit, right? There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What percent do you think guys work it out there? I mean, they're hit like they're the Bubba Tiger, like. Oh well, it depends on the player. So you know, Bubba obviously is on the far end of the bell curve, but I think you know, even Phil, Phil's on the far end of the bell curve. Bell curve. So yeah, I'd I'd say especially because of the ball, <clears throat> guys don't curve it as much as you would think. You would yeah. see. Or think like I think guys are pretty much hit one stock shot most of the time. I would say if I was to to categorize the entire tour and set a baseline, I'd say guys tend to hit a pretty straight ball to slight draw with their irons and maybe hit a slight fade okay. with their driver. And that's just angle of attack dependent. You know, guys hit up on their driver more than they used to. And you know, I think uh, obviously the ball changed, so it doesn't spin as much, so the curve is less. Um, that's what I see. And I, yeah. Yeah. And the launch is yeah, a little higher. I see. I just see him yeah. hit it straight for the most part. Like, you know, they die left, die right yeah. maybe, but, and then they just hit that shot. And I think the perception is, Oh no, they're hitting all these shots. And you know, like, you know, he's faded that one. Then he's drawn. And it's like, no, no. I mean, they kind of got their shot and they're going to get really, really yeah. good at that shot. And then if they have to come off of it, well, they most, they know how, but they're going to hit the shot. They know yeah. how to hit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I and for, for the viewers out there and listeners, I think that's an important thing. You don't need to have this massive skill set to play good golf. You know, just just hit 
try to hit one shot. Most of my amateur players, I try to have them teach this to hit a draw because most of them are, are going to come in as faders. Um, maybe yeah. slicers, but generally kind of yeah. biased that way. And if they start drawing the ball, then they go out and play. It's pretty straight, you know, if yeah. they regress at all. Yeah, the, the majority listening, if they can learn how to hit a push draw, they are ahead of the curve, way ahead of the curve. That's way right. ahead of the curve that's right that's why i have a program an online program called operation baby draw and and it's there you go by far my best selling program and and they're like well why did you make that is i said because i made that for 85 percent of golfers i mean it's like they, they need to learn right. this pattern they need to learn how to hit this shot right and if they can do that then they're right. in a completely different element at that point which then you can you know and as they go through that journey of learning how to do that they develop more skill and they can hit they can it's more conducive through the bag and like you know there's just so many things that come from that that take them to a whole nother level of ball striking now you got someone who's hitting up you know you know big push hooks and whatnot then you know there's that's probably not where i'm gonna take them although there's there's some things in there that could apply to them too and in trying to get things prepared better for them to get the path moving more to the left. So, um, but operation baby draw, it's interesting to hear you say that majority with the irons, slight draw driver, slight fade. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's just based off like kind of, you know, they're hitting down on an iron and less down on a driver. Now the semantics on that, it depends on what machines measuring you, but you know, I, for what I see, most guys, especially on the driving range, is they're they're hitting slightly up on a driver. I, I rarely see any of the, especially the young guys. I don't see them hit down, um, unless they're trying to hit it thirty-five yards short. So, <laughs> I don't. Really Last see question. I'll let you go. Um, yeah. We, you talked about Bryson yeah. earlier. Um, you know the dudes put on yeah. thirty pounds. Um, just absolutely yep. crazy numbers. Um. And, uh, and letting it go. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, you know, he had a couple, he's had some drives here the last three weeks that are crazy. I, I didn't, I didn't think he would step out there and be 20 past Rory, um, right out of the mm-hmm. gate. I mean, golfers, when we were younger and playing, you know, I always tell the story, like you don't lift weights when you're a golfer, right? You don't swim. You don't like, these are the things yeah. that are not good for your golf swing. Um, you know, and then tiger comes uh-huh. along and, you know, tiger, fitness and was big and he's since you know thinned down a little bit and now bryson looks like an inside linebacker coming out and you know are are we just going to keep going here i mean do you think like pretty soon like we're going to have defensive tackles out there hitting it (laughs) well no so so you're i'm i'm i like to lift weights um i like to work out um i'm actually right now doing jujitsu and getting thinner because I'm more mobile and trying to lose body fat because, you know, three years ago I was pretty much lifting weights and, you know, doing squats and deadlifts. I got up to like 240, wow. 240 pounds and I felt mm-hmm. awful, you know, and now I got 10 years on Bryson and at 40 doing that kind of stuff where you can deadlift 400 pounds and all that, you just can't yeah. turn. Like you just lose all your mobility and to the, to my detriment, I got a hip injury, um, a a shoulder impingement. I mean, all these things started happening and you're like, okay, well, yoga sounds (laughs) a lot better. So 
I, in all honesty, that's something to kind of that, now also, you know, I, I think there's a shelf life on this. So because I don't see a bunch of like MMA guys getting huge to get fast. Um, I see them kind of doing more body weight stuff and more mm-hmm. mobility things. And they're extremely fast. And even some long drive guys are doing more like gymnastics type stuff instead of yeah. the heavy lifting. And so I don't know that because I'm that's not my expertise, but just from personal experience, which is the only, you know, anecdotal stuff I can throw out there. Um, and based off my age, I can't sustain doing that. Now, not only that, like the amount of calories I was ingesting to do that, it's yeah. just, I yeah. mean, boy. <laughs> You're yeah, for yeah it. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see the shelf life of this. It's impressive to watch right now. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see yeah. where it takes us. Well, the good news, buddy, is the golf season is just getting underway. We have the whole season ahead of us. Um, yeah. I appreciate you coming on and uh, excited to uh, to watch Vic here this year and into his career, man. He's got uh, a lot of promise ahead of him and great stuff as usual. And I appreciate you coming on the Stripe Show podcast, man. Oh, anytime, anytime. Definitely. All right. Enjoy that yes. jacket. Yes. I'm going to wear this jacket as long as I can. <laughs> enjoy that 71 degree weather and on don't get too much sand in your feet. No, nope, I'm going to okay. get fished. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, <laughs> yeah, see you, All right my man. I'll talk to you. Cheers.